2: Everybody and welcome to Invest Talk. It is Wednesday, April twenty seven, two thousand twenty two. Normally, Justin be here, but he had computer problems, so I'm stepping in for him. I'm Steve peasling I look forward to doing this podcast. Always do. Always like doing it. Always like talking to you, answering your questions, and help you understand what's going on. I will always give you straight, unbiased answers. Justin and I are very, very strict on that rule. We have no hidden agendas. We don't. We don't. Don't. We really don't. Uh, In fact, most of this program is driven by what you ask. Your questions. You direct today's podcast, not me. I think that's one of the reasons why it's somewhat popular because we answer your questions instead of us telling you what you need to know. You know about everything we think you need to know. We we answer the questions that are important to you. So just ask. Now, it'll be my goal to help you understand what the environment we are in and how to react to it when you, with your investments. What should you be doing? And today's investing situation is very different than it has been for several decades where all you had to worry about is growth stocks. Well, High growth, high leverage stocks no longer in favor because interest rates are rising and we have high inflation. You know, if your company doesn't have enough leverage to raise prices, in other words, like Netflix can't raise prices because of competition, you're you're in trouble. That company's in trouble. Don't don't buy it. Get out of those companies that have very little power to leverage increased prices of their goods to stay up with inflation. It's not that hard to understand which ones do. Okay, but it's all in your, you, you're making the decisions here. I'm just helping you. I'm just helping you try to understand what's happening. But you must also consider other important aspects, what's going on here. You got to change your pre-COVID mindset. You, you have to make different decisions now. Does that mean everything you used to know no longer applies? No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that. I'm just saying that you have to understand the environment that you're in. And that's what we're going to do here. But you have to ask the questions. You drive the show. I really do enjoy answering the questions. I, I do. And Justin does too. I'm pretty sure we like you know, we like doing it. We've been doing it for years and years and years. And the same show. We have never changed. So we like doing it. Or else we'd stop. So on this podcast, we'll operate with the same mission statement, independent thinking and shared success, and of course, that's your assurance that we're going to give you accurate information, market reporting and uh, explaining stocks and giving you facts about them. Any commentary we have, all will be unbiased and truthful. So I encourage you to contact me with your financial questions, financial, investment, anything to do with money. So, yeah, you get to drive and shape the show, so why don't you get to it? I want to hear from you. Uh, we're live, 888 99 is a number. We're live always, Monday through Friday, 4 to 5, 888 992 It's always the same number, and it's always open. So let's get right to our first listener line question. Hey, Justin and Steve, this is Kyle
1: from Michigan. I love the podcast. I've been a listener for about four or five years. I had a question about lamb research, L-R-C-X. It's looking pretty cheap to me, but I want to get your thoughts on it and if it was attractive to you or if it had to go a little bit lower for it to be attractive to you. And I would like to get a price point that you like. Thank you. Hope to hear the question and answer it on the podcast. Bye.
2: Okay, uh, this is Lamb Research Corp. manufactures etched and cleaning systems used in the wafer fabrication equipment for the semiconductor industry. Uh, it topped what around seven hundred and something, and today is at four hundred fifty-six. So you can see how hard those growth stocks have been slammed. You know, very very difficult. Now, why has it been this been hit so hard? Is because sales growth is. In the last most recent quarter, March quarter, it was only up 6%. Before that was up 22%, 35%, 48%, 54%. Now it's only 6 So that's why it, it's taken a dive along with other tech companies that were overpriced. Now, where is it going to stop falling and where's a good price to pick it up? Well, it's going to make $38.49 a share next year. That's 21% increase. It's $456 stock though. So don't think it's cheap, but it's a reasonable price, but it's still in the middle of its range. I would like to see it near the lower end of its range, and that would be about 340 bucks. 350 somewhere in there. I'd wait. I'd be patient. LRCX is the symbol, everybody. Eighty-eight ninety-nine chart my focus point today is based on the story behind the question. Do central banks need to put rates into the pain zone? Pain. Painful. Pain zone. Do they need to do that? One, last, one analyst argues that for the Federal Reserve, that task should be relatively easy given the backdrop of a strong, real, and nominal growth in the United States. But that's not true everywhere in the world, that's for sure, other central banks. Now, if we have time, here are some of the topics I will touch on today. Why did Tesla fall yesterday, 12.2%, and lost $126 in value? Why? I mean, we know Twitter is involved, but Twitter has nothing to do with Tesla. Of course, Elon Musk owns both now, so... That has something to do with it, but we'll talk about that. How prices rose in February, the third factor's rate in mortgage. How how I want to talk about how prices rose in February. I want to talk about that, okay? Uh, in detail, I'm, I'm talking about the prices of homes. Okay, how how do they rise when interest rates? mortgage rates were going up how's that possible why russia cuts gas to poland and bulgaria they don't they cut them out it's all about the ruble so we'll talk about those things if we can get to them the market today the dow was up 62 points it was up much bigger than that during the day but it it eked the gain at the end of the day the nasdaq not so good down two points it was up much bigger, but gave it all up. And the S&P up nine. So a mixed day to day in the indexes. Um, and yeah, market still doesn't look very healthy. I mean, I don't know how many times we have to say it. That I know you probably believe it by now. But you know, in our in our um, office hours today, I showed a chart of. Um, the nasdaq and the nasdaq is down nine point 19.2 percent from its top uh and it's the not the let me rephrase that the tech sector etf is uh, down 19.2 percent from its top why utilities and um materials and uh, staples uh, not consumer uh, uh, consumer uh, products certain other sectors are down only a few percentage points under 10 so that tells you that it's a different market okay we have good news for you invest talk listeners that enjoy hearing buy and buy answers to color questions at a faster pace we have just posted an all new april rapid fire hour with 30 color questions it's available now as a free podcast download please tell your friends and about the InvestTalk Rapid Fire podcast. And now the InvestTalk phone lines are open, 888-99-CHART.
0: No two investors have an identical portfolio. Each day, Invest Talk listeners submit their finance and investment questions via phone or email. Would you like your question to be put near the top of the list? Just take a minute or two to leave a review and rating for Invest Talk at iTunes. And be sure to include a brief question with your iTunes review comments. Hi, Justin. Steve, this is Mike from Florida. I was listening to your podcast today, and uh, Justin said something about people blindly investing into ETFs. Well, I am putting money into my Roth on a weekly basis to maximize my Roth because I can't do it all in one one drop at uh, the beginning of the year. What's the best way to invest into stocks or ETFs when you can't buy a large block of a stock at a given time, so you're slowly putting into the market on a weekly basis? Do you just pick stocks? that you think are going to do well and dollar cost average over the entire year and then adjust the strategy as needed, or is it best to just kindly, kind of
1: blindly invest into these ETFs or index funds? Thanks. I look forward to hearing the answer.
2: Well, if you're going to do stocks, you have to do it broadly. You can't just buy one, two, or three stocks. you gotta you got to buy different sectors and... You know, different. So it's much more difficult to invest in individual stocks. It's much easier to do an ETF, and you should dollar cost average and just ignore, ignore the the price swings of the stock market on a day to day basis. It's going to have corrections. Think of it this way: if you're buying an ETF or stocks, prices go down, you're getting it for a better price. Okay, so think of it that way. Um, if you can't, if you you know you're not knowledgeable enough to buy a bunch of individual stocks in different sectors you, you why you would be wiser to stay with the indexes and do it through etfs and do it dollar cost average over time you'll be fine long as you have a long horizon out there 10 20 years you'll be fine you'll do you'll do very well over the long haul okay good question though My focus point today is based on the story behind the question. Do central banks need to put rates into the pain zone? One analyst argues that for the Federal Reserve, that task should be relatively easy given the backdrop of the strong, real, and nominal growth in the U.S. economy. So, is it easy? I don't know if the... This is the problem we're having. You, you, okay, you got a Federal Reserve that says they're going to increase interest rates six, seven, eight times. They've only done it one time, a quarter percent. They're meeting next week on the 4th and 5th of May, and the odds are very good they're going to raise it half a point, even maybe three-quarters of a point. That's that's possible. They've been doing a quarter point for year after year after year, up and down for 20, 30 years, you know, for many years. Um 10, 20 maybe. Um, but now I think they're going to change their tune because they're really late to the game fighting inflation. If they want to fight inflation, the argument here on this article, if they really want to fight inflation, they can raise rates pretty rapidly, cause some pain because in here in the United States because we have a pretty strong economy. Yes, they may drive us into recession. That's very possible. But it's better to get the pain over quickly than to just – do it very slowly and not really defeat inflation now you've heard us say that we think inflation is going to be relatively high and stay relatively high and that means it it's eight and a half percent now we don't think it's going to be that high but five six percent yeah remember a year a little over a year ago it's two percent right two to two and a half so um they need to Raise the rates fast enough and high enough to destroy inflation, but I don't think I don't think that they say they're going to do it. They say they're going to do it quickly, but you do realize that this is an election year. Now the Fed's not supposed to be, you know, political, but they are. <laughs> So do you think that they're going to do it? I think what they'll do is they'll May, in the beginning of the year meaning with the next few months, they will raise rates and then maybe they'll slow down because inflation is going to slow down because already oil prices are not peaked. I've already I'm sorry they have already peaked and I' not and have come down a little bit. still high but down so and that's a big driver of inflation oil prices. We're moving to a break. But I'm here and happy to take your financial investment questions. This is Invest Talk, 888 99 Chart.
0: You are listening to Invest Talk. We've seen the markets go up, then down, sideways, and around. It's called volatility. And if you're a serious investor, you'll have finance and investment questions for Steve Peasley. He's here now taking your calls live. Invest Talk, 888-99-CHART.
1: Hi, Steve and Justin. Thanks for the great show. I would like your opinion on Markel,
2: MKL, Mary King, Larry. I'm looking to buy and hold it for 5 to 10 years. Thank you. Bye. When you're thinking five to 10 years, that means that company has to have stay in power, has to have a very good business model and can maintain its profits. I mean, five, 10 years is a long time. I'm I'm all for holding stocks for five, 10 years. I like that idea. But you just got to make sure you got the right one. So let's look at Markel Corp. It's a big company. That's a good start. $19 billion. That gives Bigness gives it safety. Okay, it means it can, it, can, it can survive a lot of slings and arrows pointed at it. It offers specialty insurance products and programs for niche markets, also writes treaty reinsurance contracts. These are pretty specific insurance company. It's a property and capital insurance company that writes uh, very unique stuff. Um, insures treaty reinsurance means they reinsure or they insure other insurance companies. Did you know that insurance companies, when they write a million-dollar policy or a $10 million policy, don't necessarily take that risk? They they have treaty reinsurance to spread it around to other insurance companies if there happens to be a loss. Anyways, this is a $1,400 stock, so it's quite high. Uh, they're going to make $76 this year. They made $176 last year, but only $76 this year. Next year, $87. Okay? So, that's telling you what it's about. Based on next year's earnings, seventeen, eighteen PE, seventeen, eighteen PE. Return on equity is eighteen percent, which is very good. Uh, sales on most reinsurance companies and special insurance companies are not very stable because it depends on you know, the nature of their specialty programs. I mean. They're specialty, meaning they're not auto insurance. They're not your basic stuff that everybody has to have. So, it's unusual stuff. So, it's not as stable. Now, I wouldn't buy this five or ten years simply because right now it's kind of expensive. It's on the higher or on the middle or the middle high end of its PE spectrum and it doesn't pay a dividend. When a company is $19 billion strong, you would think it would pay a dividend. It does not. doesn't have much debt, which is good. Management owns 2%. It's good. Mutual funds have been slowly buying it. So all that is good. So it's a good, solid company. But I definitely wait for it to pull back maybe to at least the $1,200 or a little bit below that before I'd want to buy it. I'd like it better at 1000 Okay, that means it would be around, uh, what, 13 P.E.? That's where I, I, I pick it up. There. Thanks for the call. That's uh, MKL, Markel Corporation, everybody. 888 99 charges our number you can call anytime you want. Why did Tesla fall 12.2% yesterday after they announced uh, that that uh, Elon Musk bought Twitter? And he's doing it with his own money, Right? Not doing it with Tesla money, but he has to produce the money. So he might be having to sell billions of dollars worth of Tesla stock. He has billions upon billions of Tesla and dollars worth of Tesla stock. So the fear is he's gonna to have to sell a huge amount of shares in Tesla to produce the cash. And the fear is that will drive down the stock. So the fear drove down the stock before he actually sold shares. That's why it went down. So always remember this is a business, this investing business is always based on what looks like what's going to happen in the future. Not today, not in the past, but the future, the stock market. Is valued based on the possible, the, the probable future that investors see, and many times they'll be wrong. And when they're wrong, is where you can try to take advantage. So it, it takes work, it takes work to say, Well, I think they're mis- misinterpreting that. For instance, do you think Twitter? Stock will finally move after 10 years. It moved only when, when uh, Elon Musk started to buy it. That's the only time. For 10 years, did nothing. But as him as owner, will the stock finally start marching up over the next few years? Now, many people may decide, you know, how's that possible? How's he going to divide? He's already got his t- attention focused on on uh, Tesla, and he has the, the, the SpaceX, and he also has that boring company. Boring means boring in the ground. Uh, so how can he add another huge company to manage on his plate? How's he going to do that? See, there's the fear of that. Is that possible? Maybe that fear is un- overdone. I think he's just going to set the direction and hire good people to implement that direction. On the next Invest talks, the story behind the question, are you an investor who might reap benefits from a 529 education savings plan? Money invested in a 529 grows tax-free. Investors do not pay capital gains taxes if they spend that money on qualified educational expenses. But now, I'm Steve Peasley. I'm ready to take your questions live. 888-99-CHART. Let's
4: say Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. The stock market is
0: volatile, it's constantly changing, so how are you positioned? Is your portfolio properly balanced or are you taking unnecessary risks? You can get guidance anytime for free if you go to investtalk.com and take the brief Riskalyze quiz.
1: Great show, love it, and appreciate all that you do for us. I'm trying to find out if there's any truth to something that I've heard, and um, I'll try to explain it as an example. If I had 10 shares of Apple for a year, and in a year and a half I add another share, and Let's say now I have 11 shares. Are the 10 original shares still long-term gains? I had also heard that once you add to your position, that timing starts over. So just interested in understanding how that works.
2: Appreciate it, and thanks again. Well, you heard wrong. It is still long-term. Long-term, if you bought 10 shares a year ago uh, and then 10 shares yesterday – and sold all of them today. You'd have 10 shares, the ones you bought a year ago, at that cost basis. And that money would be based on long-term capital gains if it went up. Or long-term capital losses if it went down. And if the other 10 shares that you just bought yesterday and sold today, that's either gain or loss short-term. So that's how that works. You don't lose that long-term just because you bought more shares recently. You don't. Know? Okay, but you have to keep. That's the problem, though. Used to be, you have to manually keep track of your cost bases on the stocks you bought as you went along. And these days, you know, most most uh, uh, custodians keep track for you. So when you sell it, they you know, and then they give you that ten ninety nine. They you know, they figure out that long term and short term capital gains kind of things. Okay. Good question, though. Very good question. I'm Steve Peasley, everybody. I'm ready to take any and all questions. Do you have any? 888-99-CHARTER is our number. Now, uh, let's talk about housing prices. Housing prices still went up. This is from the Case-Shiller uh, 20 City Composite Index. Okay? Uh, the housing prices went up 18.9%. Now... um. This is despite mortgage rates going up. Now, they, the housing prices are still going up. I can't see that being maintained. That you know the rise, but that I tells you that the housing market, despite the higher mortgage rates of five percent, is it may be slowing down. But the average price out there is still pretty high and still pretty robust compared to a year ago. Remember, of course, the month before the housing prices went up like eighteen percent, right? Okay, so the the it's always year over year that we're talking about on this Case-Shiller index. So, so now we're looking at a year late, a month later, and now they went up nineteen percent. So that means prices of houses went up over that month period. So it's just kind of kind of interesting. And where do they go up the most? Phoenix, followed by Tampa, and then Florida, and then Miami, Florida. Those top three cities, just so you know. 888 99 chart. Good afternoon. Uh, This is Sarah from
1: Delaware, and I'm uh, interested in a stock that is called Catalint. C T L T, Catalint. And I would like your assessment
2: of the stock thank you very much okay Catalent inc it's out of where is it from uh, no, 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 medical research equipment special, uh, sector uh, it's out of somerset new jersey uh, it's a 16 billion dollar company so it's a large cap company provides provides development and manufacturing solutions for drugs protein-based biology biologics and cell gene therapies makes money has made money for years, and it's increasing its earnings pretty good. I mean, four years ago they made two dollars eleven cents a share. Three years, three dollars and four cents. Two years, uh, two th- next last year, last year uh, they made that three oh four, and then this year they're going to make three seventy five. Next year, four thirty. Very steady growth. Very steady sales growth as well. So both sales and earnings are constantly going up. Usually when you have a company like that, they usually trade at a higher PE uh, level. This five-year range for this company, 16 to 49, it's gonna make $4.30 and it's an $88.26 stock. Okay, so if it's an $88.26 stock, you divide that by $4.30 and you get your next year's PE range Oops, I, my, my, my fat finger hit, uh, hit an extra zero there. 8.26 divided by $4.30, and you get a 20.5 PE. Remember, the low is 16, the high is 49. So it's moving toward the low of the PE base, range based on next year's earnings. Return equity is 16%, which is very good. Doesn't pay dividends. hate that when they don't pay a dividend when they're big companies they should they should so i kind of like the company it's fallen off its high of 140 all the way down to 88 so it's coming off because it's a growth stock and all growth stocks are getting beat up and i think i'd be waiting you notice that i've been telling people to wait 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 be a little patient here because the market's still very volatile on the downside. We want to wait till that gets shaken out. We I mean, might be getting close to the end. I don't know, but I don't think we're there yet. So um, I probably would like to see you pick this up at a much a lower price. I would really like to see you pick it up around $70 a share, 65 70 But I would wait till we've, you got to wait at least to see what the Fed's going to do next week and how that's going to affect the market the week after. That's what I would wait. But it's a good, solid company. I like the company. I like what they do. I like their efforts. Uh, I, they don't have a lot of debt. I like a lot of things about it. Okay. okay. Um, well, the second quarter is moving right along, everybody, and we're almost through April be through it next week so i think it's worth the time to take a minute or two to talk about uh the benefits of justin klein and i can offer you here through kpp financial we're based in irvine california which is in orange county and that is in southern california we're between la and san diego counties where we are that's where irvine is so how do we implement uh our philosophy our philosophy of independent thinking and shared success well first we provide unbiased guidance but More importantly, what I think is more important, we practice what's called parallel investing, what we call parallel investing. That means we buy exactly the same thing for our personal accounts right alongside our clients' accounts. We buy for the same price, same time, same percentage. So all of our performances are the same in the five programs that we have. Okay, so that's why, you know, the strategies, the five strategies we use we call it parallel investing because we're doing the same thing. We're buying the same thing. We're selling the same thing, same time, same price. We kind of like it. So if you want us to take a look at your portfolio and tell you how good or bad it is based on your risk, personal risk tolerance, how much you, risk you really want to take and how much risk is really in the portfolio, we'll be happy to take a look at it for you. Or if you just want us to look at it to give you our opinion, we'll do that too. There's no obligation. I, every money manager will do this. Now, some, many will do it with a bias. We won't. We just want to help you. We just want, that makes us, I think, a little bit different. We're just going to help you. You don't have to hire us, really. There's no pressure. There won't be no pressure. We'd love to have you as a client, but we don't have to. It's okay. So we can help you. Well, We like to help you, but it's up to you. You make the call. Give us a call. Send us an email. Somehow contact us. It's pretty easy. Just go to investtalk.com or kppfinancial.com. And just click on the contact us area, which sends us an email. Next up, we'll go back to the Talk Voice Bank. So hang on.
1: Hey, Steve or Justin, just wanted to get your opinion on a trade that I was looking at. HSWA is Heritage Financial. I was looking at a put around strike price, $22.50, somewhere in there. Expiration, looking at probably like December this year, 16, 2022. I was looking at maybe grabbing... One of these contracts for like, I don't know, 185 or so, the ask. So I was just wondering if you think that $22.50 was a good strike price for a put uh, about eight months or so out on HFW. Appreciate everything you do. Thanks for the show. Keep doing what you do. You have a god bless day. Thank you.
2: Okay, uh, simply put, yeah, I think that's a pretty good strike price. Now, I know a lot of people listening to the show doesn't know, do not know what we're talking about, but he's talking about options. But let's look at the company itself. Heritage Financial Corporation is the company. HFWA, holding company for Heritage Bank offering, operating through 48 branch offices in Washington and Oregon. Okay, They make decent money. Their sales are going down here recently, down 10% December quarter and down another 9% for the most recent quarter here just past. They pay a decent dividend at 3.4%. It's really a decent bank. It's not bad at all. It's trapped in a range, though. The high is 30 and the low is 20 and has been that way since June of last year. Okay, trapped in this range. So I think, yeah, it'll go to 22 because right now it's at 24.68. And I can see with the Federal Reserve raising rates, putting pressure on the economy, that this could go to the bottom of its range before before your option expires. But it's a good solid company paying 3.4% dividend. If it gets down to the $20 range, might be a good time to buy the company, buy it, buy the stock. Let's go to Robert in Pleasanton. Hi, Robert. How you doing?
3: Hey, Steve. Good. Thank you. So I'm calling about uh, stock symbol O-H-I.
0: This is a nursing home REIT. Yes. And it looks like they're um, down near the 52-week low. But um, I'm just thinking that maybe, you know, now that we're hopefully getting past covid that there won't be the same concern about nursing facilities as there was previously, and obviously the uh, the current dividend yield is
1: very attractive. So I'd like to get your thoughts on it.
2: This is a very good value, Omega Healthcare in uh, America. Omega, Omega Healthcare, O H I, everybody. They're in out of Maryland. It's a REIT, real estate investment trust, that invests healthcare facilities, primarily long term care facilities, across the United States. Six point three billion dollar company. So it's kind of a mid cap, larger and on the larger side, but mid cap stock. Very solid earnings. Going to make two dollars and seventy two cents this year, down from last year about eighteen percent. Then 286, up another 5% next year. So sales have been kind of erratic uh, quarter after quarter, but basically on a growth uh, growing, pays a 10.1% dividend. Remember, it's a REIT. So all the earnings has to be paid out in the form of a dividend, at least 90% of them, 90% of the earnings. So 90% of $2.86 next year you know, is what, a, a dollar, almost $2, $2? $2. Okay, on a $26 stock is close to 10%. You know, 9%, 8%. You know, so I'm just doing it, you know, rough. And the PE ratio is eight. And the, I think, I'm thinking, you know, the PE ratio is going to go down uh, because the earnings are going to go up next year. So I, I think it's a pretty good stock to own long term. The dividend alone seems pretty stable, so yeah, the sales are not; they're not stable. But I don't, I don't. They do have debt because it's a read and they're buying real estate. I would. One of the things I would look into is, you know, how stable is that debt? They're going to have to refinance at a higher rate soon, uh, or, or do they have mortgages for you know five, ten years out? You know, that's really what you're looking for because if they have to refinance soon, costs go up because interest rates are rising and I don't want that. You don't want that either. But So that's one thing I would look at as the debt and see what kind of debt. But from just the pure numbers, it looks like a pretty good value to me. Robert, appreciate the call. Appreciate.
4: Well, I have
0: that. one, sure. one follow-up to that, Steve. Sure. So the stock is going to go ex-dividend on Friday. Yes. Um, do you have any thoughts about the benefit, or the uh, how to how to best strategize when a stock is going to go ex dividend, especially yeah. I, with a big dividend, am I better? Am I better off to just wait until after it goes ex dividend?
2: Well, you know, it's going to go down the exact same amount. It'll open up down whatever the dividend is the very next day. So if they you know go ex dividend that day, that's the day that they'll open up the amount of dividend paid. So, uh, do you sell before or after? Over the years, I have never had a a good answer to that. And I've looked at this many times. So, I don't think you should just worry about it. If you like the company, just hold on to it. This is Invest.com. I'm Steve Peasley. We have one goal here to help you achieve your personal financial freedom number, whatever that is. 888-99-CHART.
0: In today's market, more than ever, you need unbiased investing guidance because it can help you achieve financial freedom. This is Invest Talk, and you've come to the right place. Steve Peasley is here now, taking your calls live. So step up with your questions 888 99 chart.
2: 888 992 4278. We're going to talk to Dave in Ohio, wants to talk about Fidelity National. Dave. So oh, how are you doing? Thanks for taking my call, Steve. You're welcome. Yeah, i uh yeah, see awesome. uh, so you get your
0: thoughts on a Fidelity National Financial. It's at a 52-week low,
2: pays a nice dividend, 4.3%. Mm-hmm. Um, this is this a good time to get into this? And I like it. Your I, I like it because that dividend is very solid. It's a very solid company, $11 billion. Uh, The sales growth has been pretty strong for the last couple of years, every quarter after quarter. And here it is, a $39 stock going to make $6.25 next year. So we're talking a pretty reasonable P.E. ratio, right? I mean, come on. Six, seven, six and a half P.E.? Cheap. Yeah, and it pays a 4.4%. Let's say it does nothing. You still get 4.4% and you got a cheap stock that someday – will trade at a normal P.E. It's trading at 5 right now. And the low range, five-year range, is 5 to 18. Return equity is 26%, which is high. Management owns 5%. You don't think they want to get the stock price up? Of course they do. There's 5% of, they own 5% of this $11 billion company. $500 million. Yeah. yeah. So, and mutual funds are slowly buying it still. And, you know, of course, you know, Fidelity National is a, a provides title insurance, escrow services, special insurance. And that's why it's so cheap because, you know, everybody thinks uh, uh, the housing market is going to go down. Well, I don't think it's going to go down that much. Uh, I think it's still going to be pretty robust. And while you're waiting for this to go back to a, I don't know, a reasonable PE range based on $6, look, it was it went up to 42 in 2018, when it made $2.70 a share. Now, 2023, they're going to make $6, three times as much, and it's a $39 stock. Still the same $40 stock, right? So, I don't want to pound this day. That, that's too hard, Dave, but it just seems very reasonable that this stock will go up over time. You just got to be a little patient, but you get to get 4.4% while you're waiting. So, I'm okay with it.
0: Time
2: to load up. Time to load uh, up, huh? I, I, I don't get too crazy, but time to put on some position. Now, it can uh, – let's see if it's right at support. Uh, $35 is really good support area. So, you know, buy a little here. Wait it goes down a little bit more and buy some more. Okay? Right, thank you very much. Thanks for the call, Dave. Appreciate it. That's the kind of company I like. Now. Yes, it's the, the the headwind is you know title insurance escrow services and real estate. That's its headwind. Okay, interest rates going to rise, but we'll see. I think it's a good value. Okay, okay. Uh, let's see. Uh, Russia cuts gas, the natural gas to Poland and and Bulgaria. Mind you, the pipelines go through those two countries to get to Western Europe. But Russia's telling them, don't you take any gas. We don't want you to. And why? What's this all about? Russia, a month or so ago, decided that they, they, they want Europe to pay for their natural gas and oil in rubles instead of the euro or any other currency, which was not agreed to in the initial contracts. I don't know what their initial contracts actually said, but I've read articles saying that, that this is not – Kosher. Why do Russia want the, them to pay in rubles to strengthen its ruble? Because the ruble has fallen very hard, their currency, and you, obvious, for obvious reasons they started a war. You know, then on on and on. And remember, Russia. Can you name one thing other than natural gas and oil that Russia exports to the West? Now I can name one. I can name one thing. Oh, but can you? No. Primarily, that's all they have. They're natural gas and oil, which is a pretty big asset. But they they also uh, export caviar. But they don't make anything very much, anything anybody wants. Interesting, huh? I'm Steve Peasley, and this completes another InvestTalk program. Dustin Klein and I thank you for listening, and we really encourage you to tell your friends and family members. That would be very helpful. We appreciate it. So, you can get your Invest Talk podcast free anytime on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify. And if you do get it from uh, iTunes, please rate us. We do love that rating. Okay, and if you do, you can leave a question. We'll get to it right away. Independent thing and share success. This is Invest Talk. Good night,
3: everybody. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice or shall statements on this program be considered and offered to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. Invest Talk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlos Peasley Financial